We're going to be in Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 31. And uh, if, uh, if we could be thinking of who will start us out in praying and to uh, even asking the Lord to use us mightily in the lives of each other, but also in gospel advance as we pray today. I'd like to to recommend to you a, a theme, if you will, and that would be that spiritual purity furthers kingdom advance. Spiritual purity furthers kingdom advance. I often say as a pastor, um, it's really difficult to preach as a pastor because you preach to yourself all week in preparation, and then you preach it to the congregation and then you go home, and all day Sunday, and all day Monday, and all day Tuesday, you're, you're reviewing everything you said. So you're getting it multiple times. And this is one of those uh, passages that has been hard. It's, uh, it's confronting, it's confrontational to my life, and yet I trust that we'll see that there can be good fruit come from it. Um, so I'll start off by, by reminding us that we all are desiring revival. That's why we're praying. We're praying for Holy Spirit work in kingdom advance, gospel advance. Um, You could say we're all in the same car. We're all heading the same direction, and we're asking God to work. And yet, um, we really don't know each other. Past what we see on the screen and what we hear from each other and maybe some reactions. Um, I mean, this is bizarre, but I could be an axe murderer but you wouldn't know that, okay? I may just be listening to sermon audio and jump on, and and um, so you really don't know me. I, I present myself to you, and uh, we just assume that everybody's going to be well. So, um, so, I, but I would like us for to consider the fact that uh, it may not be axe murderer, but there may be hindrances to prayer in our own lives that would affect others, that would affect the rest of the group. Um, I don't know if you've ever gotten in a car and tried to drive with the parking brake on or with the emergency brake on. Um, it's almost impossible. Uh, some, cars, some cars won't do it. Okay? Some cars uh, will not allow you to do that. Uh, some cars will move very, very slowly. And you know something's wrong when you push the gas pedal down and you don't go very fast or quickly. So, but if you keep the gas pedal down and you let off the brake, you surge forward. And it's very noticeable and it affects everybody in the car and not just the driver. And I would like to recommend from a passage of scripture that that is true spiritually as well as physically. That we can be hindered by individual sin that affects the whole group. So this is more preventive maintenance, if you will. But follow with me, and I'm going to read very quickly uh, so that we can, we can see as much territory as we can. But I think you'll understand uh, the context from which I speak. So Acts chapter 4 and verse 31. When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart, and one soul. Neither said any of them that ought, that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. Um, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace came upon them all. So this is a context of prayer 
and gospel advance. And it continues. But, uh, but look what the Holy Spirit inserts here, beginning in verse uh, 1 of verse 5. But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back a part of the price. His wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came upon all them that heard these things. Um, And the young men arose, wound him up, carried him out, and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether ye sold this land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Then she fell down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost. And the young man came in, and found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things. Now look at verse 12. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. So we're back again to Holy Spirit activity. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And as the the rest, no man joined himself to them, but people magnified them, and believers were the more added to the church, multitudes, both of men and women. So I read this, and I, I almost think I had the, the privilege. I don't normally do this, but I had the privilege, and I was in Togo, and I uh, was visiting a surgeon, and I got to watch him remove a very large tumor from a, um, uh, a patient. And, um, and during this process, we got talking about the fact that God sometimes surgically has to remove sin from our life so that we can be healthy. Now, this is where... I want to remind us that I'm talking to myself as well as everyone on this call. And that is, is there anything in our life that would hinder our praying? We've talked about this before, but there's some specific applications. God surgically removes sin in the midst of this group of people following Pentecost. And it was to their betterment, betterment and it actually then propelled the early church forward. Could it be that that could not have happened had sin not be removed from their midst? So with that, I would just like to remind us that our tolerating sin not only hurts ourselves and our families, but our entire process of praying before the Lord. So Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So tolerated sin in our life hinders our praying, and not just individually, but corporately. 
But the scripture has some other applications. And if you know that the author, A.W. Tozer, he spent a lot of time on this, as others have. Um, there's several other applications of hindrances to prayer. But uh, one of those is found in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. And this would be the wrong treatment of a spouse. So if you're not married, um, this is not an immediate application to your life. It may be down the road, or it may be immediate to your context. But First Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, speaking of the wife, um, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. So we, as married individuals, need to evaluate our lives. Is there anything in our life that would be the wrong treatment of our spouse? It may be a temper. It may be lack of forgiveness. It may be a poor reaction. It may be weak leadership as a husband, or it may be weak fellowship as a wife. Um, we, we need to be aware that these things hinder our prayers. And I thank the Lord for, um, through the years, I've seen husbands and wives reconcile and see their f- kids impacted positively by that, that were negatively a- affected by their sin. So God does have a way of propelling forwards. I would even encourage you, if, if God stirs your heart about this, Gather your kids around you and tell them, I have, been, I have reacted poorly to your mother or to your father. And from this point forward, we don't want our prayers hindered. We want to move forward in the grace of the Lord. So wrong treatment of a spouse. The other, the other I'll, I'll mention, just because this is so common, Matthew, or Mark chapter 11 and verse 25 says, When you stand praying, forgive. And if you have aught against any that your father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. So harboring unforgiveness is a cancer that hinders our praying. It cripples our prayer lives. And uh, I've often, as I've applied this in a pulpit context, I've often had people say, as soon as you mentioned that, so-and-so's name came to mind. So if I could get really pointed, when I read that verse, was there anybody's name that came to mind in your life? If that's the case, I would beg you to chase that person down and forgive them, and uh, and reconcile. So uh, so unresolved conflict can hinder prayers. That's why Paul says in Acts chapter twenty four, and verse sixteen. And hereon do I exercise exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and towards men. And so indeed, we we can say that God wants to propel us forward, but He may need to do some surgery to take the emergency break off, to see us move forward with great zeal.